0: And welcome to the Apex, a weekly discussion with the titans and tastemakers of the automotive world. This week we are excited to host one of Britain's most promising racing talents, rally driver and Red Bull sponsored athlete Katie Munnings. Katie shot to fame in 2016 after winning the FIA European Rally Championship Ladies Trophy, the first Briton to win a European rally title for 49 years. She's since gone from strength to strength into the WRC and is at the cutting edge of FIA-sanctioned off-road racing having recently joined the Andretti United Extreme E-Team for the inaugural 2021 season. Katie, thanks very much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to chat to you guys.
0: So my first question is, you're an all-round athlete and a keen motorcyclist as well as a rally driver. Could you tell us about how you got into rallying and what attracted you to it over circuit racing, motorcycle racing or even other sports?
1: I think I actually started out in um, loads of other sports when I was at school. I was one of those kids that just did everything outdoors to try and avoid going inside. <laughs> um, so I loved and I was competing up to national level in um, athletics in pentathlon I was working every day with a coach after school um, and then I went into dancing and I loved that as well so wow. then we were in like a, a national netball team I absolutely loved that so I think being active has always been and the competitive side probably has always been in my blood um, mm-hmm. and when I was growing up my dad he used to be a rally driver actually but only kind of he never really had the budget to do it properly but he's very fast and um, yeah his results he was actually faster than the guy that went on to be world champion he just, it just never had the right shot for him so Mm -hmm. he he then started um like a rally school at Brands Hatch Rally School and the London Rally Schools and he was instructing there um and then after that he started a motorsport entertainment company which he ran from a family farm and that's where I grew up so that's kind of Mm -hmm. how I got into motorsport not necessarily the competition side, but more I would grow up and come home from school and there'd be loads of instructors out on quad bikes in the field and I'd go and join them or I'd be driving around old cars. Um, So yeah, it was kind of a very very varied upbringing. It wasn't like my dad sat me down and said, right, okay, you're going to go into motorsport, you're going to start karting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the off-road element, initially attracted me because that's what i what i found fun i love the changing conditions i love the instinct that you have to have as a driver to react in that moment um i hadn't come from like an engineering background as as single seater often is with you know you're working and you know exactly which gear you're going to be in for which corner and your engineer mm-hmm. is able to manage loads of different things it was more of a instinctive and spontaneous um kind of passion that i had um and i that i followed into rallying um so i think that's probably why i chose rally over um more conventional very much forms of motorsport should we say.
0: hmm Oh, that's, that's a really interesting way of putting it. It seems like that kind of instinctive element, uh, and that sort of being on the edge of control it's definitely something you get with off-road racing. And I, I can see, I've never had it really explained that before, but it makes perfect sense. Um, so moving on, you, you won the FIA European Rally uh, Championship Ladies' Trophy at a young age, and you've been working up to being a really serious competitor in the in the WRC. In your experience, what skills does a good rally driver need? And what sort of mindset helps you achieve your best stage times?
1: I think, number one, and, you know, there's, there's so many people out there that are so, so talented. I know so many people that I've come across in my career, other drivers, even engineers, mechanics that are really talented behind the wheel. And I think the number one thing is just having the opportunity to drive. Um, Mm it sounds stupid it sounds you know when you think of it it's not really like just picking up your tennis racket and going and playing tennis but I think the whole the whole thing around budget in motorsport and that stigma and how kind of inaccessible it is for people is, is a really tough pill to swallow um, mm-hmm. and I think it's the biggest the, the biggest lim- limiting factor that we have in motorsport and it was me for absolutely years you know I'd always even still to this day kind of when I felt when I was in the European Championship I was still running off my teammates secondhand tires that he'd take off after he'd mm-hmm. finished in service but they were still quite good enough for me mm. as i couldn't afford to be there and have a fresh set of tires um every service so i think i think that that is the biggest thing um, if you can if you can get back into do it properly um, i think it's it's very much luck of the joy. and it's a really hard one because people often say oh how do you start out in motorsport and i think you have just got to work with what you've got um mm-hmm. and almost psychologically don't try and control what you can't control um, there's always people that are going to be out testing more than you there's always mm-hmm. people going to have more budget. They're going to be doing more rallies with more experience, um, and that's just life, I think. Um, and it's just about making the best of what you've got and not overwhelming mm-hmm. yourself. And um, thinking about what other people are doing.
0: Does that count in the seat as well? Because I've been watching onboards of yours, and what really struck me is that as you're going down these twisting tracks. Um, you'll have your co-pilot giving you the instructions and the mental load of having to deal with the road, the instructions, all of the small judgments you have to make as you're going down the course. I mean, are you in some sort of flow state? Have you noticed that there are certain competitors who, uh, are, are better or, or worse at that? Or did you have to learn how to just handle all of that information at once?
1: I think it's definitely a case of being in the flow. Um, when I was starting out, my dad always used to say to me, you'll know that you're, you've done a good stage when you get to the end and you think, how have I got here? And I always mm. used to think, what are you talking about? Because you, you know, you're really trying to focus on the pace notes. But actually, after you know, you've written your pace notes yourself, it's your own language. Mm And after a few rallies of practicing with it. It is like speaking English in the same way that I'm not really thinking about the words that are coming out my mouth to you right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same sense of translating it when a co-driver is telling you where the road's going to go. A three left, you don't even think about what that is anymore. You just envision, you know exactly how much you need to turn the steering wheel, how the car is going to slide beneath you. Um, And then it frees up your mind for other things, for the little details that you need to be watching out for on the road. And I think it also depends on where you are mentally, if you're really nervous or anxious or if you're stressed. um, Mm. All of those things massively impact you. I know, for example, when I had a massive crash um, on one of the rallies that I did, and Brian Bouffier, who is obviously an amazing rally driver, he, he he said to me, you've got to have a goldfish mem- memory in rallying. You mm. can't go into the next day thinking, oh my God, I crashed yesterday. What if I do it again today? Or he said, even down into the split second, if you have a near crash on a stage and it kind of shakes you up a bit. I mean, we've all been there on the road and you get that kind of adrenaline rush through your body. And you don't, and then you you don't spend... tell
0: anyone afterwards.
1: <laughs> no. And yeah, exactly. That's it. But you spend the next sort of, three minutes thinking about it and thinking mm. oh what, what happened there but obviously in a rally it's really easy to do that as well and then you've missed the next pace note and then that's often when the bigger crashes happen um, so I think I, it, it does take a while in motorsport and I work with a sports psychologist um, who created this MP3 for me which is awesome it kind of simulated. The start of a rally stage, so it would be going through time controls, the sound of the engine, all oh, wow. in, in all into the correct time as to uh, as to how the rally would begin. Mm-hmm. And I'd just sit at home and I'd listen to it, and you just go through the emotions, and then you start getting yourself into. And he used to say, right, feel happy and confident and calm, because for me that was what worked. Maybe like, for some drivers, it's psyching yourself up or whatever, mm-hmm. but for me, I can always focus better when I'm calm and really focused um and also having confidence as well and we used to use a trigger of putting my gloves on and i'd put the gloves on um and then that would kind of trigger apparently this is getting quite sciencey now but apparently when i would then put my gloves on in real life it's made that kind of you've already built that neuron co- co- um, connection it's like building a muscle so it's just the natural reaction is to get yourself into this calm and happy and confident state um mm-hmm. so i think that that took me a while because obviously sometimes i'd go into it really aggressive and it would i just try too hard and then uh, often when you try too hard is when you're the slowest i think
0: Well, that's absolutely fascinating. I I don't think we've ever had anyone on the podcast who's who's described those kind of triggers. But as you say, it makes complete sense to get into that that sort of mindset. And I suppose some people find it easier than others. Um, Moving on, I wanted to talk about um, something that everyone's been talking about, which is the new Extreme E Championship. We've got huge names like Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button participating as team owners and attracting the world's best drivers. You're part of the powerhouse Andretti United team alongside Timmy Hansen. What excites you about the championship and what, what drew you to it?
1: Oh, I just think it doesn't sound like it will happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember when I first heard it, um, probably last year, and I had a call with Extreme E. They wanted me to be in the driver's pool. We had to have a couple of calls because at first I was like, yeah, "But this, this, this is dreaming, isn't it? be <laughs> a floating paddock that's going around to the Amazon in Greenland. Yeah. and Greenland. Yeah, I was amazing. thinking, what are you talking about? How, how is that going to work? um and so i think that that's probably the the element of unknown which is still there in many ways we were talking last week um i was at the launch on the boat and you know you're seeing all the bedrooms just being fitted and they've got some sub- side laboratories going in and it's, it's just crazy seeing it happen in real life mm. and to the point when they're like oh yeah we, we haven't got any uh phone signal in like half the places that we're going so you're thinking right we're going away racing we're not gonna have any phone signal for the whole time that we're there we're doing these amazing conservation projects before we race. And then we're racing in some of the like biggest um, in-demand spots for people to travel around, backpacks and that kind of thing. And I just thought, wow, OK, yeah, I'm going to have to say yes to this one. Um, and then the fact that, so I mean, I signed up way before kind of all the big names entered. And the fact mm-hmm. that now it, the racing is so, um, yeah, I mean, it's like race of champions for some of the teams that have, have launched. Up And I signed up with Andretti United quite early on and I'm really happy that um, I'm with that team. It's a really family vibe. And I think Timmy is my perfect counterpart. Um, mm-hmm. We just click instantly. He's, he is the male version of me. Um, <laughs> we, I mean, it's ridiculous down to the point that we both have the same like eating habits. We have to eat every couple of hours, otherwise we, eat, otherwise we get hangry. Um,
0: <laughs> I think, every
1: yeah, he just, he is the male version. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited to get going and uh, nobody knows what's going to happen, but that's part of the fun, I think.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like a fantastic pairing. And also I I was looking at the driver roster. I mean, people like, you know, I think Lewis Hamilton's team, Sebastian Loeb and uh, Christina Gutierrez, I mean, seriously major names from all, all over motorsport. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's going to be brilliant. Um, and and the car itself, the Odyssey Twenty One. Uh, a question we were really curious about because I know you've been testing. Um, how does it compare to rally cars in terms of you know power delivery and car dynamics? What, what is it? What is it like driving one of those things?
1: I think it's actually easier in a way. Um, you know, having driven the kind of the equivalent, you know, four wheel drive rally car, I think it is much easier in the sense that you don't have so much to think about. There's no gears. You don't have to. And that's that sounds stupid, but it is quite a big part of rallying when you're coming up to a corner and. Um, there's often a lot to do. Say you're coming up to a sudden hair you've got to bang down the gears and grab the handbrake. But whereas now, you're just kind of braking and just getting ready with the handbrake. Um, so it takes a lot of the stress out from a driving side. Mm. Um, one of the obvious things is the noise. Um, and, you know, I grew up absolutely, I'm a petrol head. I've absolutely loved uh, standing in the forest and hearing the cars go past and, um, you know, the whole environment that that brings. But I think it's coming whether we like it or not sooner or later. And I think the next generation won't know any different. So it's just one of those things that we have to adapt to. Um, but yeah, from a driving side, it, it was quite funny the first time that me and Tammy uh, Timmy sat next to each other because you sit on the start line and you are you don't get mm-hmm. as revved up because you don't hear the noise of it. So it's just quite a shock when you accelerate and you mm. accelerate and it's kind of more powerful than a WRC car and it's just this crazy juxtaposition of a being so calm and quiet um and having so much instant talk um coming out of corners which is nice because it kind of i was saying to tim you could be you could make a lot of mistakes and still look a hero in this uh, you don't really <laughs> have to carry the momentum because you just have instant talk all the time but um it's funny like things that you wouldn't think about like locking wheels for example normally in a rally car or a rally cross car when you not lock the wheels the first thing you, you the first sense that you have of that is uh, the sound of the knocking um oh, interesting. and you don't get you, yeah you don't get that at all in the extreme e-car it's just this kind of silent and you have to then readjust i mean timmy didn't even realize we were locking wheels to start with because obviously it's such a it's normally such a powerful noise Mm -hmm. um and we just had to start learning to feel it a bit more through the seat and through our bums and be a bit more sensitive to it from that side Um, so yeah it is is an adjustment but i wouldn't say it's kind of overpoweringly different different um it's still an awesome race car um and yeah i think Hopefully people will be kind of accepting of the fact that the world is moving into the electric state and just kind of take it for what it is.
0: Mm. It's interesting when you say that actually driving this electric race car actually makes you more mechanically sympathetic because you have to figure out other ways of feeling what the machine is doing. I mean, were you and Timmy, Timmy swapping notes all the way through testing and, and kind of tweaking and learning the car as you were going?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we first kind of got involved with Extreme E, the the format was going to be that it would be um, a male and female, uh, one's um, driving, one's co-driving, and then you switch, um, mm. and the other one drives, and the other one co-drives. So we were always assuming that we would be in together in the car. Um, so that's kind of what we were prepping for in our minds. Mm. Um, it was only quite recently that they decided it would be one at a time. So even you know in our preparations but then also when we were testing even when we did know it would be one at a time we both decided that we wanted to sit next to each other because you don't get a lot of time in these testing environments and especially with um the kind of battery testing which is another Mm. thing we're used to just chucking petrol in and going whereas we now have to wait a few hours for the battery to charge between um kind of testing blocks so i think it was important for us to feel everything that we could whether it was through the driver's side the co-driver's side because um, you're almost learning doubly as quickly if you've both felt something in that moment, as opposed to when Timmy comes in and says, oh, the car did this and I haven't felt it for myself. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, it, and he is an awesome guy. He's I, I, you know, I was quite nervous about the whole um, teammate situation, especially between um, some of the top names in motorsport um, and then ask girls as well, because I was thinking you know it it has to be a team sport and I really hope I get someone that will recognize that and you know we'll mm-hmm. work together on it and it won't con- kind of continue in the way that motorsport's kind of been a single person or an um, individual sport um and he completely gets it and you know he's he's kind of sat down in testing and he was like well there's no point in me driving fast if um, you're not going to be fast So I think we should really work together on this and uh yeah we can we can uh make both of us fast and then by the end of testing it was like okay you're faster on this corner than me I'm faster on this corner than you so what are you doing and we'd overlay the onboards and um, yeah he, he's a he's a perfectionist from that side which is really useful for for me as well and obviously sharing a car is the same setup so um you both have to adapt Um and I think the the ones that are successful and extremely the teams that are successful will be the ones that are, are able to do that and are able to work together as a really solid unit.
0: mm mm-hmm. Well, that's a fascinating insight into those dynamics. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited just listening to you talk about it. I <laughs> really, really <laughs> to get to, to kick off. Um, so I, I guess we're kind of touching on on modern racing and, and rallying here, because I think part of being a modern racing or rally driver is I think the increased media focus. We've got this 24 hour news cycle and the need to have a personal brand, it seems. How do you think this makes the role of a driver in 2021 easier or more difficult than back of the day, perhaps? And what have your experiences been of the professional world up till now?
1: I think um, definitely from the world outside motorsport, but the kind of world that's around it, for example, when mm-hmm. you think about the brands that sponsor it. Um, I think this new championship is opening up the doors, really. Um, there's nothing that there's no brand that I can really think of um, that wouldn't want to align with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's, you know, there's a lot of talks and that you see spin sponsors dropping out of combustion racing because they're moving in other directions and they're working on making themselves more carbon neutral. Um, mm-hmm. And even electric, even um, car manufacturers pulling out now because they want to focus on the electric side and not kind of put budget and um, emphasis into the combustion side. I think it's a really good place to be professionally um, as a championship, as a driver, um, thinking of uh, thinking of your career and also the future of motorsport as a whole. Um, it's is putting the emphasis in the right direction? And actually, when you look at it, uh, and I, when I've spoken to people in the industry, even sponsors or, or manufacturers, actually the interest around it is so much bigger than conversations that I've had around combustion in the past and I think mm. it's just there's a general awakening at the minute I know that it's you know it's also one of the highly um talked about and discussed topics because it's not that welcomed as well in some kind of um traditional um fans and that side of things um, absolutely yeah I completely you know I get it and I was that person I've I you know I absolutely I more than anyone will stand in the freezing cold in Wales just to hear the car boom <laughs> past me you know I absolutely I, I completely understand it yeah. But I think that you know it is inevitable and as I was watching the news last night and Jensen Button was on there talking about extreme as well and he just said it's coming you know whether we like it or not and I think the the best thing that we can all do is we can guarantee that there will be exciting racing you know that's hands down that's nothing to do with the car or the noise mm. or anything that's to do with the people that are behind it the teams that are behind it and the championship formats that we're producing mm. so extreme is ticking that box. I know the noise thing is is the biggest thing for most people and I understand that but um yeah, I just think you're not going to walk away from an event smelling of petrol fumes. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I just think, you know, we'll, we'll let it, we'll let it grow out of it and the next generation won't know any better and they will be just excited by the electric racing as we were growing up with the petrol racing, I think.
0: So it sounds like it's a good opportunity for all of this to be very much a kind of driver led uh, scene as well. I mean, as you're talking, I'm just thinking of, you know, people like Lewis Hamilton who seem to dictate the, the you know, what people focus on in, 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 Formula One in all respects. So it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting time for that. Um, and, and on media, you've had a media career as the presenter of, uh, uh, Katie's amazing machines on CBeebies. And I know that you've raced in some very high profile events like the ice race in zelam C for Bentley. Um, just taking all of that as a whole, are there any non rally cars or machines that you've encountered, uh, during those races and programs that you particularly enjoyed driving?
1: Oh, so many, that's such a difficult question. <laughs> um, God, that's more difficult than where to see yourself in five <laughs> years, I think. I think when I was doing the, the CBB show, it was literally every day. It was so much fun. I'd be filming two different machines every day. So it was really full on at the time. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I was like, what am I doing? I'm absolutely crazy for taking this on as well as it's the about full, 20 um, episodes,
0: wasn't it? I mean, it's quite long. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, but we filmed it all in a really short space of time and it was bang in the middle of my European Championship season. Oh um, so obviously, BEEBeeBee's <laughs> had its own deadlines. So it would literally be I'd fly back from an event and go straight into filming and vice versa. And it, in the end, you know, I was thinking I'm I'm cu- if I went into another year of this and they had another two seasons commissioned, I just thought I will just be doing half a job on each. And that's not yeah. who really yeah. who I am or where I want to be. So it was it was a tough decision. But yeah, I mean, doing it. I mean, I got I got some amazing stuff. I I drove like a snap snow up on up in Valteren um ski resort before the lift opened for the day and i created this jump and the sun was just coming up, and uh, i think that was definitely a cool one
0: um, did you Did you go over the jump in the in in something fast or was it uh...
1: <laughs> we ran out of time actually because when oh, i was God. coming back down there were skiers coming down next to me and it was the most scary thing ever i think actually, i was half expecting you path. to say
0: i was half expecting you to say that you'd you jumped over in the snowplow, which would have been quite something.
1: <laughs> oh no, I was not trusted at it. Like they, they, <laughs> um, they put out another snowplow behind me because I didn't realise how difficult it is to try and make a smooth kind of track, and I was making bumps all over the place. They had a guy <laughs> that was going behind me, just tidying up my mess. before the Found, that, found the him. rally driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> That's great. So, I mean, so maybe we can expect to see Katie Munning's smashing a performance car around a Nordschleifer for something like Top Gear in years to come. Is that is that <laughs> something you'd still consider?
1: Well, do you know what I? Um, I was filming a League of Their Own the other day with Freddie Flintoff, with him in a rally car, Jack Whitehall, um, and Alex Scott. Um, and uh, Jamie Rednap was there as well, actually. And it was really oh, cool wow. seeing the, the different um, drivers. Uh, so yeah, that will be out soon, actually. I can't say too much about what happened. But it's, um, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch, I think. <laughs> an
0: insight into different driving styles, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it was. Um, I, I went with Jack and with Freddie. Um, Freddie, obviously, on Top Gear all the time. Mm-hmm. Jack had, hadn't even got his driving license. And we were out in a in, in an R2 um, Ford that, you know, is, around, is a... Uh, the kind of stock for the uh, Junior World Rally Championship. So
0: it's a proper car. Yeah. It's yeah. A,
1: yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting, um, and obviously we, because we were filming in COVID, we had a perspex screen between us. So mm-hmm. I can, I actually couldn't even grab the handbrake when I needed it. So, um oh, wow. Yeah, there's. I think I think it's quite a good watch. I'd recommend watching that one.
0: That sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. So um, I think we're coming up to the end of our time. So I've just got a, a few more, let's call them quick fire questions to, to ask. So uh, the first of those is, do you have any racing heroes or people you particularly admire in your field?
1: Definitely. Um, I think Michelle Mouton, um, paving the way for women in motorsport is a big one. I think mm-hmm. Sebastian Ogier, um, he also he always seems to pull it back when everyone looks at him and thinks, oh, his race is over or, you know, there's pressures on him now. There's no way a human can perform in that environment. He's mm-hmm. always got some mental ability that's beyond any driver I've seen. And I think lastly, probably my dad's been a big inspiration in helping me through my career at times when I would have given up. Um, He's definitely, he's definitely got something in perseverance, he's taught me a lot about, um, you know, holding on to your dreams. So yeah, I think they're probably my top three.
0: Well, that, that's that's a great answer. And, and on that theme of perseverance, what's the most difficult rally or rally stage you've ever raced, and why?
1: I think probably the Azores. Um, when we, like, I still can't believe we do it, but around the rim of the volcano, um, right at the top, I think there's a 500 foot drop, literally oh off God. the side into the, the. Well, obviously it's not the crater anymore. It is, but it's the lake at the bottom, and it's a beautiful scenery. But there's no barriers or anything. And if you go off there, that's it, big time. Um, hmm. And I remember I, I nearly crashed at the top, and there's a video that I put on <laughs> YouTube of it. Um, my co-driver said, "Look, just take it easy around here. We've got nothing to win on this. Just get, get round the top bit, and then." we can race down the side of it because the stage carried on down the side. And, um, we, yeah, we're literally about five kilometers into the stage, right at the top. What did I do? Clipped a bank and nearly well, I did spin, but luckily I spanned the the other way, not kind of into the oh, volcano. God. Uh, but I think that they were talking then about moving the stage because they, you know, every he <laughs> said, the organizer said, you have no idea how hard we've worked to make the, this, you know, approved by the FIA. And, and, that, now, and now you're making it look, look like Mario like
0: Kart. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that it's not, it's not in the quite the same location, um, but still it's yeah, an incredibly difficult rally racing on the volcanic rock. And uh, yeah, it's just something else.
0: I think that's something that people really, I think, underestimate, uh, I suppose, in real life when you're actually there and you can see the drop. I mean, that must tighten your driving up a bit. Uh, it's just <laughs> yeah. insane to think that you can just fly off this side of a mountain if you get, you know, a, a, an input slightly wrong. I know
1: and in some places I remember for the first year that I did it and there wasn't actually any hay bales in this section but some some years they put out hay bales like on the on the um apex that was closest to the uh to the the drop and I just thought right. a hay bale is not going to stop <laughs> <laughs> a kind of four-wheel drive high-spec rally car you just nudge that out of the way but I yeah you yeah. feel a little bit more confident
0: <laughs> opt optimism, so uh, I guess my last question is i think one where where you know we need to set the record straight once and for all so it's it 's a rainy night stage in Wales. What is katie munning 's favorite rally stage snack, and I have to preface this by saying that when we asked David Gandhi this question, he talked about his endless drives to get prawn sandwiches from m s so I was wondering what your snack of choice would be oh,
1: do you know what i love a prawn sandwich from mns as well but i don't normally have t- have space for it in my rally car normally mm. i will always um and i probably know it's not the most nutritious but it's the one that kind of gives me a little boost i love a midday mars bar and can of red bull <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have had like a really highly nutritious lunch um, Just. we'll have like energy bars with us but there's something about a mars bar and a, a like a you know that taste of Red Bull, I absolutely love it at halfway through oh, the day. Wow. And I don't, I don't normally drink that much caffeine when I'm not racing. Um, and I don't really eat sugary stuff either. My sister's kind of a, a nutritionalist, so we eat very yeah. healthily at home and she's always recipe testing and things. So I only ever have it when I really need it. And I feel like after a long day, of, after a long week of reccees and 4 a.m. starts, you just it's something hits you kind of halfway through the day at race day when you're in that kind of calm zone and you're, you need to psych yourself back off and you mm-hmm. just need it.
0: Well, I think that's one that the listeners should, uh, should take to heart. And I think it's a good, good one to end on. Um, Katie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. That was a wonderful interview. Uh, thanks for uh, talking to us. And all the very best in Extreme E and your future rallying outings.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for chatting to me. Thank you.